Well, there's an old saying dealing with spending habits of men and women, and it goes like this, and it's from a man's perspective. But women, they just go out and they go with no plan. They just go shopping, and they're, you know, let's see what's on sale. Let's see what we what we like. Where men are kind of different, they go in with a plan, and they say, you know, I'm going to buy a pair of jeans. There's a pair of jeans. You know, it's in my size. So let's get this and get out of here. But um, it's not always the truth. We find that both men and women have trouble whenever it comes to buying and shopping. It goes back to the fact that they don't have a budget and they don't communicate. And I mean, communication is the key um, when dealing with finances so that everybody's on the same page. Um, But the truth is, you know, women and men, they are different. A lot of times women are buying things for the home and for their children, where men more times than not are buying big things for themselves. But all the women's little things for the house and everything do add up over the course of a month, over the course of a year. And the men make these big purchases a lot of times on themselves. And the truth is women, you know, they find security and, and you know, that's their safe place is at home. And so I want to make my home Um, you know, the place where I find my identity, where men, a lot of times, they find their identity in these things, and um, so that's why they make these unwise purchases. So this evening, we want to look at the area of finances, dealing with the family unit. Money and finances is a place where problems often surface, one of the first places, and it says there in, in your book, one of the first places that problems develop in marriage is in the area of, of money. Larry Burkett says this, Why do families suffer more problems during economic turndowns? The answer is they don't suffer more. They suffer more symptoms. The symptoms may be unpaid bills, but the problems started long ago. And so a lot of times it's, communication, not being on the same page, separating money, things like that that lead to the issues, but those issues arise whenever there is an economic turndown and you you see these symptoms begin to surface. So when we think about the family, marriage, husbands and wives, there's many issues dealing with finances. So let's go back to the very beginning to see the family and marriage relationships. And so if you're not already there, um, turn to Genesis chapter 2. And if somebody would read verses 18 through 24, and then we'll kind of talk through some of these as we go through there. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Okay, so as we look at that, we see um, there at the beginning that the Lord God said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. A lot of times people say, you know, it's if I've got me and I've got God, then I've got all that I need. But, you know, God looked at it and he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And so that's why he made a helper suitable for him. That's why it's good to be in a church family and have people surrounding us um, so that, that we can be together and be with, with like-minded people. But here specifically, he's talking about it's not good for man to be alone, so he'll make a helper suitable for him. And that word helper literally means a nurse, one who can do for him what no other person can. And, um, and so God wanted to find this helper for him. And so what does he do in verses 19 and 20? You know, all of the, all of the animals, all the beasts, all the fish, all of these things were created and brought to Adam. And um, he gave names to them. But then Adam, in all of those, there was no one suitable found to be a helper for him. Nobody matched him. And um, so there, was, there wasn't a match there. So what did God do in, ver- in verse 21? Um, you know, the Lord God caused a deep sleep and he, he took out of man this rib and then he closed up his flesh. So he put him in a deep sleep um, so that he could bring woman from man. And then the Lord God fashioned into woman this, this rib that was taken out of her. And he says, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so Adam realized that, you know, that Eve was a part was a part of him. And so they were to be together. And then in verse 24, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And so that's that's the goal whenever in marriage, not just in, you know, making decisions and, and living life, but in our financial aspect, we are to become one as well. So there at the bottom of your page, um, you know, it says they were to leave and cleave. And so they're supposed to leave their father and mother and they're there to cleave um, to one another, be joined together, and they're to be partners in life, coming together to go down the road of life together. So as we go through life, sometimes there are problems in the area of finances. And as we look at our lesson this evening, we want to focus on four major areas. Number one is danger signs in marriage. You know, there's danger signs that, that financial trouble is is coming, but not just financial trouble. There's spiritual, there's physical issues that come along with these things as well. Then number two is making a living. Making a living. Husband and wives will look at their roles uh, and what the Bible says about those things. Then number three, we're talking about family records. No, so, you know, having an organization system to know what we've got and to be able to access it. And then number four, we're going to look at money tips, some tips on um, ways to save money and uh, use our money more wisely. So let's begin thinking about danger signs. As we think about families today, we see the problems develop, especially in young families. And what causes this, this trouble is most families, they young families whenever they get out on their own you know they were raised in a in a family that had a nice home and two cars televisions um you know all these electronics and all the latest devices Sorry, hey hey it's really i was busy spending my money you know? <laughs> <laughs> busy out busy spending your Great money shopping. huh um so anyway um, so they've, they've grown up in that lifestyle. They get married and they expect to live at that lifestyle right whenever they get married. But they don't realize that a lot of times, you know, their parents didn't just walk in and say, hey, look, I've got all this stuff. It took them many years of hard work to get to the point of where they are today. And so that's where the problem starts. And so people get into trouble early on in their marriages in financial trouble because they want to go out, they want to buy this new home, they want to have, you know, nice fancy cars or maybe, you know, the friend down the street that's, you know, just been married, they have all of these things. And so we want to live up to their standards. And so I know what that's like. I mean, I was kind of that same way whenever... Um, I got married and we uh, we got married and Rachel's dad had a had a Yukon Denali and I was like man that is, that is a nice car I, I want to get me one of those and um, so I did and it took several years to pay that thing off and I was like man I don't want to I don't want to get in those kind of situations and and putting ourselves in those issues and it was basically about the time that we got um, out of that debt is whenever we went into this into this class and so um, from then on I have actually been paying cash for cars but you know it was just you know I want that I mean man you've got this nice car I want, I want to have what you've got and um, so it can happen even to the best of us you know so let's think about some symptoms. Number one is you can't pay the monthly bills. You know, oftentimes we, we see the symptom, we can't pay our monthly bills, we go get a credit card and soon we max it out, then how are we gonna pay for that? And we just kinda get in this slippery slope of going in the wrong direction um, early on because we wanna live to those standards. 
Number two is more income is needed to get to the standard of living that we want. So we go and we take out a big mortgage on, on a nice house that you know we can't afford off of the salary that we have. So we've got to go out and make more money and so we get ourselves in trouble. And then number three is a lot of times when pressure mounts, we want to go and we want to buy something. And so this happens to a lot of people. I mean, this is kind of their, um, I don't want to call it addiction, but it kind of is, you know. I'm, I'm, angry, I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm depressed, um, you know. And so, well, what's going to make me feel good? I'm going to go buy something new. And, you know, that time of going and shopping and looking for that thing and making the purchase is all good but then you wake up the next morning and you're like man the problem and why i'm feeling like i'm feeling is because you know we're in financial trouble but what did i do i just went and put us in even more financial trouble because i made this purchase and so many people when they're stressed out when things are going bad they they go and make purchases that they very quickly wish that they hadn't done so now let's think about family. Let's think about several danger signs that let us know that things are wrong. And so number one there is his money, her money attitude. You know, if both work, they divide the money. This is his money. This is her money. Um, we don't really want to be accountable to each other and what we spend our money on. And so we separate things up. But, you know, we're supposed to have unity. We're supposed to be one flesh, um, doing things together, developing a budget that is together so that whatever we do, you know, it's, it's all coming out of the same pot and we have communication of, you know, and it, it doesn't mean that you can't have in the budget, this is my hobby money, my fun money. This is your hobby money. This is your fun money. But we don't want to separate our money, um, and that's what a lot of times people do. And, you know, so this is, these are our things that we do together, and this is my money for my things. And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to get, get ourselves in, in trouble. And, you know, there are some families that, that do that, and it's not even, and it goes deeper because it's not just, this is my money, but this is my money and I'm going to go live my life with this money and then we'll come back home. But And you go live your life with your money and you go play with your friends and then we'll come back home, you know, but everything is, is to be together. And when you put your money together um, and you have communication, because that's number two, that leads us to number two, which is poor communication um, causes financial issues. You never know what the other one's doing, what the other one's spending. So, you know, if you put your money together and you say, you know, well, this month I'm planning on going and buying this $200 item. And, you know, the other person is like, well, I'm going to go buy this $200 item. And the excess in your budget is $200. Now you got a problem because you're not communicating and letting each other know, you know, what your needs are, what your wants are, what your desires are. And so that's what a budget helps you to do is, okay, you've got X amount of dollars to go do the things, your hobbies, your, your wants, your clothes, whatever. Um, you know, this is your money to do that. This is, this is what it's for. And so um, you've got to be communicating and having that plan together. Then number three is parents. You know, whenever you get in trouble, what do you do? You just call the parents, your relatives, they bail you out. Um, and whenever you do that, then you're not doing what we just saw in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 of leaving and cleaving. You're uh, hanging on, you know, to mom and daddy to, to take care of you whenever you get into trouble. And, you know, we've got to be able to communicate and to um, take care of each other so that we don't get in those those financial situations and problems. Because whenever we do that, it also causes issues in the family as well. 
Number four is the wife has to work. And I say that has to work with, with an emphasis on the has to. Because the bills are so high that you can't live off of the husband's income. The wife has to work in order to pay the bills. So just to take care of, of the basic necessities because you're outspending and you're living above your standards that she has to go out and work. Then number five is you can't give. You pay all your bills. There's no money left over to give to the church or to anyone else. Um, then we see that as one of our danger signs. And then number six is we don't have any savings. We're not saving any money. We spend everything that comes in. It just comes in and it goes out every money or every month. And so these are warning signs of financial and spiritual problems in marriages. You know, because if you can't give, if, if you're not saving, uh, you know, you're not living by the principles of God's Word, it's not just a financial problem, it's a spiritual problem, and it all oftentimes causes physical problems inside the marriage. And so we want to watch out for these danger signs and make sure that we don't put ourselves into issues and areas that um, that are not good and healthy for for our marriage relationship and that puts us in financial trouble or stress. Any thoughts, comments, questions? All right. So those are the warning signs of financial, spiritual problems in marriage. What are we to do? To see how the family is to function, we need, once again, to go back to the Word of God. So um, if you would, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 as we see the pattern for the family and the role of husbands and wives. And so we'll look there um, at some specific verses and, and talk through this a little bit as well. So we see there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. And so there we see that the, head, the husband is to be the head of the wife. He is to be the head of the family. You got Ephesians 5, 6 here. Yeah, it's chapters 5 and 6. Oh, I'm sorry. It's chapters 5 and 6 go together but specifically in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20, 23 we see there that the husband is to be the head and so um, as the head he is the head over the home and that means that he takes the responsibility for the household and then in verse 25 it goes on and says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for and so what is the husband to do? He is to be the head. He, he's the one that goes back to, and then he is to love his wife as Christ does the church, and that's a sacrificial love. And so sometimes in the, in the family unit as the provider and the protector um, of the family, then sometimes he has to give up the things that are, that are important to him um, because it's a sacrificial love. And, and so, you know, in putting your budget together and everything, and, and, you know, because generally in most households, the husband makes more than the wife does. So if you separate your incomes, you know, well, I've got a lot of money to go do with what I want, and you've got a little bit of money to do with what you want. And so we don't want that to happen. The husband is is to be the head. You put everything together and he has the responsibility to be the head and then it's a sacrificial love that he loves his wife in that aspect, in that manner. But going back to Ephesians 5.24, it says, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And so the wife is to submit, to come under the authority 
of the husband. And that doesn't mean that he walks all over, that you let him walk all over you, but that you come together in communication, in agreement on what it is that, that it is that you want for your life. And um, since this is biblical finances we're talking about from a financial aspect, you know, that, that you submit under his authority, but you make decisions together, but ultimately he's responsible for the, dis, the final decision that's made. And so the husband leads and loves and the wife submits and then if you look on over to verse 33, it says, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And so husbands are to love, wives are to or lead in love, and then the wife is to submit and respect her husband. And a lot of times, you know, we have a, there's a book that we give out a lot of times whenever we uh, do premarital counseling, and it's called Love and Respect, and it's a it's a great book to to understand, you know, that role and that responsibility of what the husband's supposed to do, what the wife's supposed to do, and how the wife um, is to is to act and react basically to her husband and how the the husband is to do so to the wife and you know because a lot of times the wife says you know I'm showing him love I'm showing him love I tell him I love him all the time but what a husband needs is respect and you know to show him respect and not try to run over him or um, anything like that and that's where sometimes you know things get mixed up and so anyway if you're having any problems you know somebody is that's a great book um, to have and it's called love and respect i can't remember edgar something i can't remember his last name but something egg something but then going on to ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 you see the role of parents there and this is speaking specifically to fathers, though. It says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, fathers have that responsibility to train their children. Fathers are the head of the home, leading the home, but they don't just lead the home, you know, financially. They're not just to lead the home physically. They're to lead the home spiritually as well. And so the husbands do have that responsibility. You know, as men, we should have our children, our grandchildren um, watching us as we, as we pray, as we read, our, read the Word um, and show them, you know, the godly lifestyle and to be teaching and training them um, in the truths of God's Word. But you don't just te teach them the Word. You teach them in action as well. And so we need to live it out in our lives. So the Father is the head of the household, leading spiritually, physically, and financially. So how should the family operate? And so that's what we see next there is how should the family operate? And first, we talk about single people. As single people, you're responsible for your own expenses. Um, bills, giving, saving, taxes, needs, debt, all of the things that, you know, we're saying that families need to do. Um, if you're a single person, then you get all of the responsibility put on yourself and uh, you have the obligation to take care of all of those things. Number two is married. If you're married, then the husband is the one that is responsible. He's the one that's to be responsible to provide for the needs of the family. doesn't mean that he has to pay all the bills, like physically write them out and everything, but he is the one who is responsible that, you know, whenever there are shortfalls in, in the budget or whatever, he's the one that's responsible that should be taking care of that. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But if anyone does not provide... For his own, and especially for those of his household, he has defiled the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, um, you know, they have the responsibility, men have the responsibility to provide 
for their household. That's their, their role. And you see that in God's Word. We saw it a while ago. But what is a husband to do? He is to provide. He is to protect his family. So the question comes then, is it wrong for a woman to work? Is it biblically wrong for a woman to work? Is it... What do you all say? No. No, it's not. I mean, if you look at at uh, Titus 2, I mean, it says that that women are to love their husband, their children, they're to be holy, and work at home. But you also see in Proverbs 31, you know, this this godly woman, and if you're a man looking for a woman, then this is a place you need to go to is Proverbs 31 to see what you're looking for. If you're a woman um, and you want some godly man to to be looking for you, you know, look at these characteristics and see if you hold up to these standards and and um, live by these things because this is what what someone who is a Christian guy should be looking for in a woman. But again, there, you know, she goes out, she buys um, fields, she does all of these different things, and so it's not biblically wrong for for a woman to work. But there is an attitude that permeates our society you know that we need to have more and more money so you know in order to make it um, you know at the standard of living that all of our friends and family do or whatever then you know we both need to work in order to make it but we don't want to give in to that kind of thinking and um, but you know the truth is if if you want to work if both both family members want to work or whatever, then it's a decision that needs to be made within your family. But there's some key things to do if the woman is going to work outside of the home. And um, if you want to, I think back here uh, on the very last page, on page 85 or whatever, it kind of shows how should the family operate um, the husband is to be responsible if both are working there. And I know those numbers are a little skewed. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, in today's society, that's uh, not the average husband's income and wife's income. But um, if you look at that, you know, if a husband makes 25000 and the wife makes 20000 you know, many people say we have $45,000 to live on, and so that's what we're going to live off of is both incomes. And so I think there on, the, on your page, um, it says many families' plan. Well, many, many families' plan is to live off of both incomes. But then it says second, the solution and um, if you see down there on that other sheet on page 85 is for the wife to save. And so, you know, you take a third of her salary, $6,000 um, would be 20 of that $20,000. That'd be a third of her $20,000. And, you know, you take care of your wants. You enjoy life off of that. And then you give off of that um, give out of that amount, not off of that amount, but out of that amount, you give and you, you know, enjoy life, have fun. But the other two thirds, which would be $14,000, if you just took that $14,000 um, for three years, so you have approximately $45,000. If you put $45,000 up for 25 years at 5% interest, it comes out to be over a half a million dollars that you would have in the bank. And so that's not saying that she works all that time. That's just three years that she works and you put back that much money, it becomes that amount over the period of 25 years. And so there's a great solution if, if you know, both families, especially coming straight out of college or whatever, you get married, you get married young, um, and you both, you know, you don't have any kids or anything yet. So, you know, what's the wife going to do? And, and um, so she goes and works, but you use that money wisely. You don't live your, set your lifestyle to both incomes. You set 
your lifestyle to the husband's income so that if the wife does want to quit working, if the, if the wife does uh, get pregnant and, you know, wants to stay home with her child, then you're not expecting to live off of both incomes. You're living off of one. You're paying all the bills, everything that's necessity um, off of his income, and then you're giving above and you're, and you're fulfilling your wants and desires having fun off of that other money and then saving back for the future off of the difference, the two-thirds. That makes sense? All right, so... When we talk about the family unit, I mean, that's basically how it's supposed to function. There's roles of husbands, there's roles of wives. Um, but if you decide that both want to work, you know, use it to your advantage rather than to your detriment by living, setting your lifestyle at that. Because not only, and we've talked about it before, not only does it cost you money because she quit working, but now you got another mouth to feed and diapers to buy and all those joyous things that, that come along with, uh, with having a, child, a child. And so, anyway... So how do we keep up with all this stuff? How do we keep up with our finances, track our bills and payments? So the third part that we're going to look at tonight is keeping records. And there's three key areas that we're going to talk about. Number one is monthly bills. Number two are special items. And number three are ongoing bills and so basically what he's saying here is have a system have a have a file folder system have something that is in place because sometimes you know people they just make piles and they just pile everything up and then you know you go looking for something and it takes you forever to get to it and so we need to have a system in place so that we can figure out where things are where to look for things and so um, the first area that we're going to look at is monthly bills. And so you have files for each month um, where you pay your bills, um, you know, and your records, your deposits, your checks, all of those things that you put them into one place. Many people, you know, they have computers um, that, you know, everything is electronic and online in a, in a folder in your in your. Um, on your computer, a lot of people use things like QuickBooks um, and keep all their records and everything in there. But however you do it, um, you know, you need a place for all your monthly bills so you can go back and look at anything and find it very quickly. Number two are special items. These are um, files, you know, for products that you purchase. You know, you purchase a TV, you purchase a lawnmower. And then you're like, well, what kind of blade do I need for it? Or what kind of oil does this use? Well, man, where's the, where's the owner's manual for it? You know, and so if you have it filed away in a place, then you can go and pull it out very easily, find the information that you need. If something goes wrong with it, you can um, get that, pull it out, know what kind of part it is that you need to, need to purchase. Um, so have... Having the information, the warranty information, you know, all in one place. Um, so if something goes wrong with it, you can pull it and, and get it easily. You know, put your receipt in there with it. Um, so that if you have a warranty claim or something, you've got the receipt along with it as well. Then number three are your ongoing things. And, you know, just the things that are that are regular and ongoing but the basis for all of this is so that you can easily find the information get a safety deposit box for your important papers um, the, and things make copies of things that are important documents and information um, and keep them in separate places um, is important and everything as well so as we think about these folders, what, what should we have and what different kinds of folders should we have? And number one is personal information. So name, social security number, addresses, phone numbers, you know, 
who's the power of attorney, maybe your insurance agent, um, you know, who that is, phone number to him, so that it's easily accessible um, for names, phone numbers, and everything. I know now we just pretty much have this and everything's in there, and so it's easily accessible and um, you can put all the information in there that you need as well that goes along with each person. Number two is personal documents. Um, your birth certificate, marriage license, any other, you know, special papers, personal um, information that you need to have. Then number three is personal insurance policies. So, you know, you have a folder for all your insurance policies like life insurance, health insurance, all of those different things. It's important to have have that, you know, things like that because, uh, you know, whenever somebody passes away, the insurance company's not really excited to call you and say, hey, by the way, did you know your husband had a million dollar policy on you? And we'd love to give you that money. So you need to know what those are. And again, that's a communication thing, you know. If you have one on you, then your husband and a couple other people need to know that you have that and vice versa. So, um, but have a place for it, a safe place and, and a place where all that stuff is kept. And then property insurance, you know. Um, where do you keep your insurance for your home? Rental insurance, auto insurance, liability insurance if you have that. Um, and a folder for all of that stuff. And then household and, um, you know, inventory of property. And so, you know, one of the things that insurance agents and things will say is a good thing to do is to every once in a while just go through your house and with a camcorder or whatever or with your phone nowadays and video everything that's in your house so that if you do have... Um, theft in your house or if your house were to burn to the ground or something like that that you have a record of the personal property that you have in your house because again they're not just you know your policy says you have up to X amount of dollars but you know do you have X amount of dollars in your house if you do or above that then you know you need to have the proof of that and so uh, that's a good good thing to do. Number six is savings records slash retirement. So any investments you have, savings accounts, IRAs, all of those things, you know, keep them all in one place so that they're easily accessible. Um, when your CDs come due, you know, you can have a record of when did I put them in, when are they coming out, all of those kind of things. And then auto records, you know, whenever you purchase a vehicle, keep all the information together. I mean, that's, it's nice to have, you know, to, I'm going to go sell my car to Joe here on the street. And you can say, you know, here's, here's my car. It's got, you know, here's the window sticker for it. Here's all the oil changes I had. And here's, you know, where I had it serviced. Here's um, you know, when I replace the tires on it and all of that. And by having all that information, it gives reassurance to somebody that is purchasing your vehicle that, man, this guy, not only does he take care of it, but he's got proof of it and everything's in order. So I bet you this car is a well-maintained and, and a good car driven by this person. So it's good to have all those records for all of those things. Your tag, your title, all that stuff together. And then number eight are house records. You know, closing information, um, repairs that you've done to the house, um, any improvements that you've done to the house. So that again, if you decide that you want to go sell the house, then everything's together in one place. These are improvements that I've made. So, you know, I bought the house at, at this price, and yes, it's appreciated, but I've also added value by doing X, Y, and Z to this house. 
um, that it didn't have whenever I came in there. You know, I put in, had laminate countertops, I put in granite countertops. It had, um, you know, I added a cellar, you know, and so that's in here. Any kind of things like that, and so you got it all together, and it just makes it easier whenever everything is together and you can give proof and show that kind of stuff. Then number nine is tax information. Tax information and keep all of that stuff for sure. Uh, in case the IRS comes knocking on your door and says, hi, I'm with the IRS and I'm here to help. <laughs> it's always good to have all that information together and keep it based on the number of years and uh, they tell you to and all of that stuff. Keep it in a safe place. And then number 10 is um, your will and testament. Keep information concerning your dad. Let me ask you this. Does everybody in here have a will? You got one? You got one? Got one? Do you have one? No. You don't have no will? You got to have will to live, I you know? If you have no will to live, you know you're not going to live. So you got to have a will to live. Um, Does that mean if you have a will to die, then you're going to die? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Sorry. But anyway, um, but if anybody, you know, if you have kids, if you, um, you know, have things that you want to make sure that not just possessions go to a certain place, but that people go to a certain place, Especially whenever you have younger kids, it's important to have have a will and uh, have it all set up. A lot of people say, um, you know, whenever you're getting older and everything, you have that will that everybody knows what's going where before you go, because so many people get angry at each other and and stuff. But you know, and it's not always the easiest thing to do. But if you tell people in advance, you know, this is what I want you to have, and this is why I want you to have it, and this is what I want you to have, and this is why I want you to have it, and it's not like, you know, well, you did this behind our back, or, you know, brother did this, and sister did that, because, I mean, at deaths, I mean, you always see, I mean, I'm around it more than a lot of people are, because it's not just my family, but it's seeing other people um, who have deaths in families and it always is a fighting point whenever you should be coming together um, because of the loss of a loved one it's everybody's fighting and and fussing because I deserve this and I want this and you want that and uh, if you get it all set in place ahead of time let everybody know what your wants, what your wishes and your desires are. It may not be um, what everybody else wants, but they know it's what you want and that there was, there's no manipulation or anything around why you did what you did. So encourage you to do that, um, not just for your sake, but for the sake of your friends, your loved ones, and all of those things as well. So if you got all of these things, you put them in place, you got your records, you got your folders, then it's going to make life a whole lot easier whenever you go and need to get the information, access the information, and um, you know, it just makes life easier. So whenever you got tax season, you know, if everything's all in its proper place, it just makes life a whole lot easier for that as well. So finally, our, our last thing that we're going to look at this evening is savings tips. Savings tips. This is an area I'm not good in because uh, it says here eating out and then there's like five things underneath there and I love to eat out and we eat. Um, it says here the average family eats out 4.1 times per week. Sometimes I eat out four times in a day, so <laughs> so uh, I think I throw this average out the door here. But anyway, um, but yeah, whenever you think about going out to eat, you know, it, it now it's costing a whole lot more. I mean, with 
the prices of things and so um, the prices of food and I mean we talked about it earlier even fast food and everything is um, getting crazy expensive and so whenever you think about um, eating out there's five things that he has here and I changed one of them so my answer is better than his. Number one is the easiest thing to do is eat out less. You want to save money, eat out less. Number two is notice the true cost. Notice the true cost. And what we mean by that is, you know, you say, well, I'm just going to go to so-and-so place and I'm going to get a $10 burger. And then you're like, okay, and then I want to add a drink to that. Well, there's another $2.50, $3 at many places now for adding a adding a Coke or a tea or something like that. <coughs> and so now your $10 burger is up to $13. And then, well, not only that, but now I've got to add tip on there. So $13 if I'm going to give you know, somewhere around a 20% tip, then you're talking another $3. And so now your $10 burger's costing you $16. And so, you know, it, it adds up. Yeah, and then you got tax on top of there. So now you're at $17, $17.50 for, you know, you thought you were going out for a $10 burger. And so all of those things add up and they add up real fast. And so you got to look at the overall true cost um, for whenever you go out. Number three is drink water. Drink water. It saves a lot of money. Most places, like I just said, I mean, $2.50, $3 um, to add a drink um, at most restaurants. Um, you know, that was one of the things that whenever we were building this building that was one of the challenges that we made you know to people was whenever you go out drink water set that money that you've been buying a tea or a pop or whatever with um set that aside and then use that to to give towards the building fund um and so you know and it was something that my brother did at his church and everything as well um, as they were doing a thing and it's amazing you know over the course of the month um, if you eat out several times a week that how much money that adds up especially if you got you know husband and wife or husband and wife and a kid or two and you know every time you're you're eating those drink or drinking drinks every time that you go out to eat thing that I hate is whenever I I gave up pop and did all that thing and then you go to Chili's and it's like three for ten ninety nine. Well you can buy the burger and fries and it's more expensive than getting the three for ten. But I can't not get a drink because you know it's like it's free. <laughs> or going through a drive through and you get, you know, if you buy just the burger and the fries, you know, fifty cents you can add a drink to it or whatever and then it's like, ah, oh, it's hard on me. But drink water saves money. Number four, go out for lunch instead of for dinner. A lot of places, um, you know, the lunch menu is a lot less expensive than the dinner, dinner menu. Um, and so a lot of places, it's the exact amount of food. One place in town, Da Vinci's. Anybody eat at Da Vinci's very much? You can go to Da Vinci's. I don't know if it's still this way, but it used to be this way, that you can go to Da Vinci's and you can get lunch and you get the same amount of food as you get at dinner and they give you a salad and it's less money. It makes no sense. <laughs> but we, I, I used to eat there and I was like, Man, this is crazy. Why do you ever come here for dinner? Because it's less expensive, same food, plus they give you a salad for free at lunch. But anyway... Um, so go out for lunch, not dinner, save you money. And then number five is split meals. Um, you know, that's something me and Rachel do all the time. We 
split meals. Um, we went to lunch today, two chilies, got the free drink. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, we, we split a chicken sandwich, french fries, and you know, and then it comes with the appetizer or whatever, so you can get a salad or soup or chips. But um, you know, I mean, there's plenty of food there, and I mean, we both ate all we wanted to eat, and we were full. And so, in America, you know, they give you more food than what we need. And so, uh, you know, before if, if you're going to get married. Ask your husband, make sure you like the same same food so you can split meals because otherwise, you know, I've got some friends, we can't split meals because she won't eat this and he won't eat this. And so, you know, if you want to have a healthy marriage, just make sure you can split meals, save you money. I mean, you'll be a millionaire. Or slash eat leftovers. You know, a lot of times it's like, Oh man, I've eaten all I want, and then you just push it to the side. You leave the rest of the food and everything there, and so um, you either split meals or take the take what's left home and only eat half of it. Um, if your husband or wife, you know, doesn't want to split with you, then eat the amount of food that you need. Don't eat overeat because I mean that's another thing that a lot of people do. Well, I got all this food, I'm paying for it, I've got to eat it all, and then you're like. Oh, now I'm miserable. Um, so stop at halfway and take the rest of it home. So those are some savings tips on eating out and then be there is coupons. Coupons. Get an organizer. Keep up. Um, one of the things I'll say is, you know, I mean, even a lot of people buy things online. If you search um, there's a lot of coupons that can be found online for the things that you're going to purchase from the stores that you're going to purchase from and if you'll just take a few minutes to just do a quick google search a lot of times you can find coupons for things and save money um, in that way and then number two is look for sales look for sales and so, I mean, if there is something that you're specifically looking for and you're going to make a purchase, you know, look around and, and do your research and uh, see where you can buy things at, at the lowest cost. I'll give you a great example even um, of something that just happened. Chelsea was looking for um, Alex. They have Spirit Week or whatever at... Um, school next week and so she's looking for um, a costume and she had it in Amazon in her cart and everything and she's like man before I buy this you know I'm going to see if anybody has it and so she puts it out on Facebook has anybody got a costume you know that's this size um, and gave a couple of options or whatever that he wanted to have um, and somebody um, in our church or whatever she replied back yeah in my thrift store I have one it's brand new in the package for five dollars Amazon forty dollars mm -hmm. by just taking a little bit of time being patient asking if you know somebody had it she saved thirty five dollars so um, look for sales look around ask people if there's something that um, you're wanting to purchase if you're something that you need because a lot of times with our connections it's not you know what you know it's who you know all that kind of good stuff it goes for a lot of other things other than just getting jobs